The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. K State fans, you finally, and I mean finally, have yourself. A top 10 team. The K-State women's basketball team now number 7 in the nation. As they knock off the 10th ranked Longhorns in Bramlage Coliseum in front of 7,000 plus. Beating the Longhorns 61-58. to Welcome to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. AJ Shaw's on our board today. Our phone number is 537-1350. Phone lines open all two hours of the show to take your questions or comments about K-State hoops. Um, boy, what a what a fun time that was in Bramlage Coliseum. Uh, I was so glad to be there. There was no way I was going to miss that game. Whether or not it was, I mean, it sucked walking into Bramlage because the wind chill, I mean, it was that Saturday, right? It was, you know, they were talking about Arrowhead Stadium where wind chill is going to be 30 below and, you know, kickoff time, it was what, going to be two degrees or something like that. Well, walking into Bramlage, that wind was cutting right through your clothes. But once you got inside, you got to witness some history made as K State beats Texas, and that includes Aoka Lee getting to 2,000 career points. It took her a minute and 15 seconds to get there. And then uh, she becomes the all-time blocks leader, K-State passing Brianna Lewis. Now, why I knew you're obviously in Lubbock. You had a basketball game yourself to call at 3 o'clock. Yeah. So I don't know if you got to watch really any of this game, but I would imagine you were at least following along a little bit. Oh, for sure. I had the stats up uh, as we were setting up. We got to uh, the United Supermarkets Arena about 12.30. And so I'm setting up and what have you. And as I'm setting up... Um, I have a little stats monitor there and then immediately hit the tab to, to open up the K-State women's game. And so I'm following along, following along um, basically all the way through, um, even when we were on the air. And it just, I mean, you could just almost feel from the beginning that this was going to be a game that was going to be tight, tense, good. Um, you, you mentioned Aoka's day and what an amazing day for her. I know we'll talk a little bit in depth about that, but... Uh, just a terrific win for the Cats. I wish the men could have <laughs> pulled that out uh, at the end, and it would have even made it a little bit sweeter. But uh, congratulations to, to Coach Mitty and the crew. That It's always nice when you beat Texas in anything, uh, but uh, this is turning out to be a very special season for them. And, man, that was a good ball game. Really good. I've been talking about it for weeks, and I know and Mitty even kind of talked about it as well. Um, because he thanked the fans afterwards, but there sure. were people on social media, you know, you know, begging and pleading with K State fans. You got to make it out to the game on Saturday. This is a huge game. I mean, you can argue it was the biggest game regular season in Bramlage for the K State women, gosh, in twenty years. Yeah, uh, and also take notice. I mean, how long it took just to get K State back to this opportunity to have this kind of big game. And the fans showed up, 7,000, and I have it right in front of me, 7,062 showed up. And and Coach Mitty, after the game, 
was thankful for the fans that not only showed up, but just watched it on TV. This is serious weather out there. Anybody that came to this game, I am thanking them 100% to get out and make the commitment to come support us. I thought it was an awesome crowd. Most women's basketball teams across the country would have had 1,500 in there. And everybody always names Iowa, whatever, but I'm telling you right now, that's a hell of a crowd. And I know the ones that weren't there were watching on TV, so I probably can't thank them enough. Yeah, it's fun when you're at the game, first of all. I mean, if you were there, that's a game you're never going to forget. I was walking up to the tunnel for the post-game press conference, and I heard overheard a fan say, that was one of the best games I've ever seen in this building ever, sure. men's or women's. Yeah, And it was. I mean, it was nerve-wracking. It was tight. I mean, it was a tense game. Um until the fourth quarter rolled around. And first of all, what a moment that was to end the third quarter where Serena Sundell camping on the baseline, beautiful block. She gets the rebound, and she's kind of hesitant to make a pass, but I think she had her eyes sight on uh, on Zy Walker, who was waiting for the pass. She was running on the far side of the floor, the to- the, the student side of the floor, and, uh, I mean, a laser beam pass, finds Zion with very little time to shoot. She just lets it go from 35 feet or something like that and absolutely sinks it. Huge eruption from the fans. From there on, Case, it was in control. Because, Wyatt, you told me, you pointed this out on the box score. What made the game so good is it was back and forth. Yeah. There were 12 lead changes, 11 ties, <laughs> but there were zero of them. Yeah. In the fourth quarter, case it was able to control. I want to play another clip for you. And that's because in the in the second half, case it was locked in. Here's Coach Mitty. Locked into what the calls were, locked into passing the communication along. First half, I felt like we were frustrated. Felt like I was calling a play and that didn't get passed along to everybody. And I felt like there were some internal struggles going on with the physicality and the the way the game was being played. Second half, saw none of that. It was as good as we've been under adverse situations. I had said Friday that, so K-State heading into Saturday's game had won 10 straight. Every single one of those games, Kase had held its opponent to under 60 points. And I'm going to repeat this many times as the season continues. Kase women's basketball has the best defense in the country. They are the best defense in the country. But there's no way they hold Texas under 60. <laughs> this is the best scoring offense in the Big 12. Pretty handily, too, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Texas averaging. 88 and a half points per game. There was no way K-State's defense was going to hold Texas under 60. Guys, they held Texas's defense or uh, Texas as a team points-wise under 60 points. 30 points less yeah. than Texas's season average. Well, a couple of thoughts listening to you here because let's yeah, sorry, go back. I was rambling no, no, no. a little bit. No, I'm all I'm all in on it because Unfortunately, I wasn't there. I would have loved to have seen it. Let's go back and talk about one of the best games to be played in Bramlage. We put that into perspective, reminding everybody that that facility opened in 1988. That's been several years ago, right? Now, on the play to end the third quarter, um, and I mentioned how we were setting up and I was watching it on through the stats and what have you, but on that particular play at the end of the third quarter, now the team has arrived at the arena – 
Tom Gilbert and I and, and, and Stan Weber and one of our, our, ticket, our ticket guy, Reed Warfield, had gone over early. <clears throat> and at this point, Casey has it dialed up on his phone. And I just happened to look at the monitor and then peek over to Casey's seat to the left where his phone is to see that play. And it was like, whoa, what a way to end the third and go to the fourth, right? And so so you almost felt like, okay, maybe this day is, is meant to be K-State's day, right? Heck of a play, and uh, you carry that over and then – Basically, are in control in the in the fourth quarter. I'm looking at the box score, you know, it's it's such a great feeling when you, you you have a lead going to the fourth, and then you make seven of nine shots, and a really good Texas team goes four for fourteen to augment your thought on the defense. So, defense wins, and uh, man, what a great feeling that had to be for those people. That seven thousand plus, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and I you know I think that definitely. I, I hope that win and people seeing it, not only if you were in Bramlage or watching on ESPNU, that did sell a few more tickets. Because, I mean, KU's in town Saturday at 1 o'clock. Yeah. So you're talking about exactly a week after the K-State-Texas game tipped off. Now we have the Kansas Jayhawks coming into town, um, who I believe just beat Baylor. I, I think it was Baylor who they beat. They did, yes. Uh, in a big upset. Mm-hmm. Because KU's been a 500 team this year. And now they're going to roll in feeling pretty good. They want to beat another top ten team. Sure, um, boy, I just so many thoughts about you know. First of all, just what it took to get there. Just have that game, have it be a marquee matchup, have the fans show up. That has taken so much work to just get to this spot. Now it's continuing to continue on talking about how good K State's defense has been. I mean, they're a top five, top ten team in very serious defensive categories the it's the defense is why i keep saying i and maybe they do now but i thought there for a while i was like i don't feel like people realize the ceiling of this team sure this is a extremely high ceiling and it starts with that defense which coach Mitty he talked to me earlier today i was there he was asked why so much emphasis on the defense it is because it wasn't very good last year. They struggled. Haven't not having Aoka Lee was a big factor to that. Sure. But they just as a team really underachieved as a defensive team. Now Yoki's back. Let's coach him up. And now it's a complete 180. Complete 180. Well, I, I think when you have a top ten type basketball team and they're there probably should have been there what, a couple, two or three weeks ago for sure. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, if you ask everybody that roots yeah. for the purple, yeah, because of beating Iowa in Iowa City, in Iowa City, yeah, which I personally feel K State can go beat any team, any place at this point. Yeah, yeah, they should have been a top ten team weeks ago. But if you think about a top ten team and what it should look like, uh, you start checking boxes, right? Good defensively, check. A team that can score, check. Big man, check. <laughs> Depth, check. You get the idea here. I mean, there are a lot of uh, checked boxes there when you start analyzing the team. And um, one that doesn't get checked a lot or talked about enough probably is coaching and then also the, the obvious with just chemistry. And I think, again, you've seen more games than I have, but in watching and listening and trying to pay as much attention to 
you know, as possible with doing the other work that I do. Um, it just seems like this is a pretty together bunch that way. Uh, one other thought, I think, on the on the defensive side, you know, Madison Booker ended up with 23 points, right? But it takes 21 shots for her to get 23 points. Yeah, eight of 21. She did yeah. make a three, and it goes back. Sorry to cut you off there. No, but you're good. Texas was also just two of 11 from three. Right. Yeah. So there there were a lot of things there, and, and K State didn't miss a free throw. <laughs> you know, that's that always helps. They uh, they shoot 44 percent, hold Texas to 35 and a half, and again, let's let's stress a team that's averaging 80 plus, right? Um, put that into perspective this way: you've got a Baylor men's team coming in here tomorrow night, averaging 87 points a game. Yeah. So, yeah, th- those those teams kind of stick out, stand out, however you want to say it. But man, just a just a terrific overall performance. And and you know you you could just hear in Coach Mitty's voice the deep appreciation for the people that uh, were there and. I guess I'll say putting up with or you know putting themselves at risk to a degree with getting out in it. And that was dangerous wind chills, man. I when we got back, um, I went out and started my vehicle and then went back to get my gear. And when I I this sounds odd, but I'll give you the short version of a long story. I I had my. I don't wear a cap and gloves. Very, it has to be really cold for me to wear that kind of stuff. Same, same. And yeah. so I have all of that on. And from the time I walked, and my car wasn't all that far from where we go in at the airport, the uh, my face that wasn't covered hurt. Was that cold? Hurt. So yeah. kudos to Cat trash everywhere. Out. Yeah. Oh, sorry to interrupt. I was taking my trash out on Sunday morning and breathing it in hurt. Sure. No doubt. You're from Chicago. You probably you get this every winter, right? This is nothing new. Uh, not historically cold temperatures, but yeah, we get cold. We get cold weather, but not like this. Maybe a few winters, but not like this. I mean, it's the Windy City. Yeah, got to get those cold wind chills. Well, that's the, not yeah. why we call it the Windy City, by the way. <laughs> why it probably knows. I have no idea. Go ahead. The Windy City is called the Windy City because of the politicians flapping their gums. Oh, okay. I like that a little bit more, honestly. Um, give me some final number, more final numbers. First of all, for Texas, going back to K-State's defense and how good it was, Shea, uh, Shea Hawley is uh, – no, check that. I'm sorry. I'm getting them mixed up. Uh, Taylor Jones, She's. I think she was their starting center, um, only plays 18 minutes. She was dealing with foul trouble, um, you know, Yoki – when you're good, you're good. You know, knows how to draw those fouls, right? Uh, yeah. Um, but she's Texas's leading scorer. I think she was averaging 16 points a game, and she finishes with two points. Wow. Um. So a huge win just for Yoki downstairs. Whoever you know, and she was playing mostly when Yoki was in for sure. Um. For K State, Aokley 21 points, 10 rebounds, and four blocks. I mean, just an incredible line there. Serena Sundell, 12 points, 5 assists, 6 rebounds, and a steal. Also in double figures was Jalen Glenn with 10 points um, and 3 rebounds, a couple of steals. You know, in the fourth quarter, she also hit a pretty big 3 after Texas hit their second 3 of the game. 
and K-State improves its record to 17-1. and They are a perfect 5-0 and in league play. They and Iowa State are top two Big 12. They're the only two teams left that are still undefeated in conference play. K-State now ranks seventh in the nation. Texas Falls is 16-2. And, two. and uh, you know, coming up at 5-10, I want to bring up the women again. I kind of want to take a look at also their next opponent, which is TCU. But I'll give you why, you know, being now ranked seventh in the nation is been a long time in the making. It's been a while since K-State's been a top 10 team, and I'll give you all those numbers. Coming up here a little bit later at 5-10, and by the way, I have two tickets, or I should say two pairs of tickets to give away for K-State taking on Baylor tomorrow inside of Bramlage Coliseum. Uh, We'll do it at the end of our next segment, and when we come back, we'll talk K-State men's hoops. They fall at Texas Tech. What a tough one to lose. Wyatt and I will break it down when we come back on Wildcat Inside. Ah, some Blondie bringing us back into Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner with Wyatt Thompson. AJ Shaw's on our board, 537-1350. If you want to call in, give us a couple of thoughts, maybe a question about K-State hoops. Wrapped up by the K-State women. Again, they beat Texas 61-58. K-State women's basketball now ranked 7th in the nation. Meanwhile, the K-State men, they go on the road on Saturday and the way I look at it, they just really let one slip away, didn't they? They give up a 14-4 run in the last four and a half minutes of the game. And Texas Tech beats K-State 60-59 to at United Supermarkets Arena in front of nearly 15,000 fans there in attendance. And United Supermarkets Arena has not been friendly to K-State men's hoops no. in, um, in quite some time. Um why I, I didn't get to watch a lot of this game, but I know it was a very up and down roller coaster ride. I, I do want to skip actually to the end first, um, because that is where you know we I think we really took most of our thoughts of the game away from, because it's where K State lost the game. Um, so Tech takes the lead. Cats get a shot to go win it, and it was a Tyler Perry off the dribble, trying to go score. Uh, and we've seen that before. Mm-hmm. We've seen K State succeed with it, and we've seen K State, you know, maybe for lack of a better term, crash and burn in uh, so those opportunities. But those, when they do fail in those opportunities, those have been like mostly in the first half type of opportunities. Maybe one other one that it didn't work out uh, to win a game. But I mean, your thoughts on putting the ball in in TP's hands to try to go win it? Well, I didn't have a problem at all with with what they were trying to get late in the game because Tyler had shot the ball pretty well. He did have one shot that pops into my mind that was really wide open in the far corner baseline earlier in the half that, you know, and and that's the way you look at one-point losses, right? A play here, a play there, what have you. But let's let's basically take the last 330 to 340 of the game, okay? In that 320 time frame, K-State did not make a field goal. They finished 0 for their last four. Tech, meantime, was four out of five. And it just seemed like, and this is part of the thing that hurts, most of the time in that last, say, three, three and a half, three almost four minutes, those 50-50 balls, 50-50 calls, almost all of that went against K-State. And that's what really stinks. You can you can probably complain about a couple of different calls, in particular the, the three-point play by Joe Toussaint, 
who not only walked, but moved his pivot foot twice. Ridiculous that that was called. It was a walk. But it wasn't just that. It was K-State not really playing very well um, and getting beat to loose balls. And give I'll, I'll give Tech credit here. that They had a, a kid on their team who played seven minutes and 14 seconds in the game, Lamar Washington. But when the game was tight at the end, he was a guy that made a couple of monster plays in just, you know, tipping a ball or knocking a ball away that gave them a second opportunity. And as it turns out, that was kind of the way it went uh, at, at the last part of the game. So frustrating because of those segmented things that we talked about. It, it's I've done a lot of games in my lifetime, and I, I, I can't remember another game where a first half was similar to that and I'm sure there have been some, but, you know, here's the point. You look at that first 10 minutes and you, you go, how was K-State even as close as they were? Because I remember at one time out thinking they've taken 11 shots and they have 10 turnovers. And then in the last 10-ish minutes, they can't do anything wrong. And they finished the half on a twenty to nothing run, and they're up thirty three to twenty two. That was odd, right? They come out in the second half, and it's segmented again a little bit. They did not start the second half very well. Fight back, kind of somewhat take control, and then in that last three to four minutes, I gotta I gotta give a lot of credit to Jerome Tang. He said, "This one's on us. We had our chances. Say what you want about some of the calls, but." K-State probably could have easily, not easily, could have won, probably should have won the game and didn't. K-State, that's what hurts. Yeah, K-State should have won the game. Going back to the first half, you know what I took away from that was I think K-State looked its worst and then its best. Yeah. All in one half. Yeah. You know that you mentioned that, that that first part and I was just blown away by how many turnovers they had early on, but I say give all the credit in the world to K-State to bounce back out of that in a pretty quick manner because K-State had no business of winning that game at halftime because they were just over, I don't know if I'd say outmatched or anything like that. They just didn't execute early on. It was pretty sloppy. Well, they were trying, and Coach talked about this at his press conference a little bit today in that, because I specifically said, you know, kind of give us I mean other than making shots what really was different and I I was intrigued by what he said because I think K-State was sped up early in the game big crowd they were into it Tech got off to a decent start which made the you know the ruckus in the building if you will even even more so and it was it can get loud at United Supermarkets Arena now and they were into the game um and so I don't think they really did a very good job in that first nine to ten minutes of, of handling that situation. But then once they hit a couple of shots, I mean, it, it, it's just like, whoa. I mean, you couldn't turn the – not that you wanted to, but you couldn't turn the faucet off. They, they had good ball movement. They were making shots. They were defending like crazy good. Um, and so that, again, that adds to the frustration because when you have 
segments where you play that well, that's kind of, or at least for me, I remember that every bit as much. I mean, I'm pretty sure in all the games I've done in the Big 12 basketball era, I can't remember K-State ever having a 20 to nothing run on the road. Ever at any segment of a game. Yeah, Not that, one time. That was over the last, <laughs> let's see here, that was over the last 7 minutes and 10 seconds of the first half. Yeah. K-State was down 22 to 13 and they go on a 20 to nothing run to lead at the break 33 to 22. I remember exiting the Jeff Mitty press conference. Was watching a little bit of the game on my phone. Uh, it, it took a little while to get through the press conferences because you just beat Texas. I oh, think yeah. Mitty had close to a 20-minute press conference. The players had 10 minutes. So we were in there for a while. By the time that ended, the game was already half over, and I had missed the first half. Right. But I was keeping up with a little bit early, and Casey was struggling. He's like, oh, this is not good. This is a this is a really rough start. I don't know if K-State digs out of this hole. And then I checked my phone. It was at halftime. I looked down, and I'm like, they're winning? Yeah. And winning by 11? I know. I was blown away, but I was so, so happy to see that the guy that was leading the way on that comeback, Tyler Perry, needed that greatly after scoring just six against West Virginia, did not score in the second half. I think people were kind of thinking, oh, well, maybe those that game he had against UCF maybe was just – a once-in-a-great-while thing for Tyler Perry. No, he started to really bounce back in that first half. He did have a quieter second half, but K-State's in a pretty rough spot, if not Tyler Perry hitting some threes, but also Kaluman and Cam Carter hitting some as well. Yeah, again, you you look at that last seven-ish minutes, because I, I, I wrote these things down, um, and <laughs> they continue to, to play in my head, of course, and that's what happens whether, whether you win or you lose, but... I wrote down K-State was 7.20 to go. In, from from 7.20 of the first half to halftime, they outscored Tech 23-3. to 6.48 on, it was 20 to nothing. Over the last 7.10 of the first half, Tech did not score a point. They were 0 for 9. K-State made 8 of 13 threes in that first half despite the, the start. And I think they were maybe either three or four of eleven at the point where they had ten turnovers in those that first ten minutes. So it was an odd first half to say the very least. But when they were cooking, my goodness, the gas was at five hundred degrees. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And it, maybe not as so hilly with a roller coaster ride as it, for the second half as it was the first half. You know, Tech slowly starts to crawl back. They sure. make it a two-possession game. And I thought Will McNair ha- was struggling there for a little while, but then he became a pretty important part of K-State keeping its lead, trying to bounce it back to nine points or to double digits. Uh, it was just that last four and a half minutes where K-State got out-executed. And to me, that was the difference where maybe Texas Tech wanted it more. You know, we can't say that for sure. I, the way they played was – we're going to go get these rebounds. We're going to try to get some putbacks because this is how we got to win the game. Um, well, the, well, go ahead. Well, I was just going to add to to that a little bit in that the hard part about the road is more times than not, the opponent, the home team is going to probably get to the line a little bit more, and that was the case here. They go 15 of 18. K-State at the line, just 5 of 7. I mean, think gosh, that might be a season low. I'm not sure. Yeah, but I think it is actually. Uh, five out of seven is, is 
not much in terms of attempts. And this in a game where there was um, technic- two technical fouls called. <laughs> um, I can't stand the double technical thing. I know you're trying to get things under control and calm some guys down. Yeah, uh, and because there's always an instigator, and then yeah. there's always the second guy who, generally speaking, is the guy that, that gets – there are a couple of plays in the game that I didn't understand and probably never will, and I probably need to let it go, but uh, how you miss the Toussaint walk when it was pretty blatantly clear, and then I – well, there's three, three, I guess – um, one has kind of somewhat been answered, but the other two haven't. One is the Toussaint walk. Second is the, the quote, hook and hold on David Gasson, which was awful because he got sho- – if you go back and watch the tape, he gets shoved in the back. Yep. He's trying to help protect himself to a degree. And then the other one, I, I guess the explanation was is that the foul was on the floor. I'd never seen anybody fouled on a dunk and not shoot free throws. Oh, I forgot about that. But yeah, we saw, but we saw that one on Saturday, and and the explanation was as he was fouled on the floor. Well, well he, he wasn't touched until he was exactly fifteen that's, feet in the air. That's that's the point. That's exactly right. If you watch Cam go up for those oops, he jumps high. Yeah, he gets up there. Uh, okay, we just got an update. Uh, closings and cancellations. By the way, obviously you could imagine. Uh, because of the snowfall we're getting, it's really sticking to the roads. It's been getting slick over the afternoon. Um, they're starting to uh, cancel activities, including for tomorrow, USD 383, which is Manhattan Ogden, has been closed for tomorrow. So we've already had Manhattan girls were scheduled to go down to Emporia and play tomorrow, and that's been postponed. So, yeah, more activities either getting canceled or postponed. So, you know, for all that up to date information, newsradiokman.com, there is a full list, a closings and cancellations page. Go check that out for the all, all the up to date information. So, yeah, I completely forgot about that uh, that Cam Carter play, where yes, he got fouled trying to go for the oop on yeah. the alley oop, yeah. and he's not shooting for the yeah. That was a head scratcher, but I completely forgot about that play. Yeah, that was a. I don't know. You you brought up the the travels that were missed. I don't know if it's just me. I don't know. If, I don't have any numbers to back this up, but I feel like there's been way too many travels in late moments of a game completely missed. Hunter Dickinson has gotten away with it twice. Um, it screwed Georgetown out of, a, out of a game a while back. I think it was a Big East game. I can't remember. That was a TCU game on the on the play where they where TCU hits the three to win the game? That might have been it. Yeah, That might have been it. I know BYU has benefited from one of those. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I've just witnessed it happen watching games on TV, but it just seems like a high amount of them have just been missed. Yeah, it was frustrating because, you know, you had an opportunity. And again, admitting fully that that K-State had many chances and did not play well down the stretch, which normally is is kind of what they do, right? Uh, So that that was somewhat of an oddity, too. And then, yeah, it's just – I'm just going to say I didn't think it was – of all the games that I've done this year, I'm just going to be honest and say I thought it was the poorly, most poor officiated game that I've seen this year. Really? Yes. Okay. Well. But again, that's how you feel sometimes when you get beat. Well, in your hope, full though, that, I mean, you just gave up 60 points. That should have been enough to win exactly. a Big 12 game on the road. Yeah. Um, 
And I, like you hit I, 10 threes. I mean, those you, you yeah. hold them to 60 and you hit 10 threes. You out-rebound them. And again, we can go back and, and go each side of the fence here. Got to take better care of the ball. And earlier in the game, you've got to work really – Coach mentioned something today that I thought was accurate too, that you, know, you go up and get the you – know, you box out. You go up – you got to get both hands on the ball and the rebound. And there were several times where K-State had a chance to clear and didn't, and then Tech gets second opportunities uh, and take advantage of it. And that's – you know, that hurts too. The way I feel right now is we had to break and we're about to give away some K-State men's basketball tickets that, you know, I'm not worried – you know that that was a tough loss. That was a tough pill to swallow. But now you get two at home, and if you win these two games, hey, starting Big Twelve play four and one sure. in the toughest toughest conference in America is a really solid start. Especially if you can beat a Baylor team at home, who's the ninth ranked team in the country. And we'll preview the Bears at about five twenty five. More K State women's talk at five ten. Let's go and give away a pair of tickets to K State men's basketball against Baylor tomorrow night. In Bramlage Coliseum, if you can use the tickets, get ready to call in. you got to make sure you pick them up between 8 o'clock and 5 o'clock tomorrow as the game will tip off at 7. Let's take caller 5, 537-1350. That's 785-537-1350. Caller 5 is going to K-State against Baylor tomorrow night. Let's take a break. More Wildcat Insider is next. Congratulations to Jim from Manhattan. He wins two tickets to see K-State against Baylor tomorrow night in Bramlage. 7 o'clock for that tip. Pre-game is uh, actually will join in progress uh, at 7 o'clock because we'll have Chiefs Kingdom at 6 o'clock um, right here on K-Man tomorrow evening. Uh, we have two more tickets to K-State and Baylor. We'll give those away after we preview the Bears in hour number two. That segment will start at about 525. Um, why you you have a great view here of the TV? It's kind of behind me. Um, yeah, the Steelers don't have a chance here. It looks like <laughs> they're yeah. done. They're cooked. It's yeah. it's only second quarter. Yeah, two and a half minutes to go, and Buffalo uh, just tried another field goal. They're up twenty-one nothing, and Pittsburgh blocked it. But the Steelers have not been really a big part of this game just yet. For sure. Well, I mean, they just blocked a field goal, and it, it ricocheted all the way into the. The the uh, bu- the Buffalo side of the field, so past midfield, and now uh, maybe their field goal kicker just pulled a hammy or something. I don't know. They, it was a big block. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was huge. Buffalo though leads twenty one nothing. Meanwhile, um, I've been hearing it from everybody today uh, because I'm a Cowboys fan. <sighs> Listen, that loss to Green Bay, nobody was as less surprised about that game. Than I was. I would. I wasn't expecting such a high-scoring blowout, but for the Cowboys to lose that game as a more than a touchdown favorite at home, wild card round for Dallas to blow it once they get to the playoffs, not shot. I'm used to it. This is year after year, just about. Nobody was as less surprised as I was. <laughs> Every year since '96. Yeah, that's the la- right. That's the last time uh, the Dallas that Dallas made it to an NFC Championship game. It was so long ago. I wasn't even born yet. I was six. That's that's incredible. But I, I will say this: as hurt as I know you are, and my broadcast partner Stan Weber would might be today. Um, I think you might be selling Green Bay a little bit short. Well, I think and, probably and, everybody was. And yeah. what I'm saying is, is that first drive. And the first couple of scores that they had, they were getting 
not five yards a crack, but they were getting eight, 10, 12, 15 yards a run. And this just in, Jordan Love can shoot that ball downfield pretty pretty well now. Well, I know he's legit. Dan Quinn would like to get back to being a head coach. He was in Atlanta for five years and then became the Dallas defensive coordinator. And you know his heck, his name was being thrown around for the Alabama job. Yeah, and then doesn't make a great impression with that loss to Green Bay. Dallas, yeah, Dallas's defense was bad, bad. And that's a really good defense. And they had ev- just about everybody available. Well, also, yeah. Matt LaFleur knows how to get people open. I mean, the touchdown to Musgrave, either that was a complete breakdown or an incredible play call. I'm going to go breakdown, but yeah. Those two games, yeah. And, and you know what? I, I know this is a, a show about Kansas State, but l- l- let's, uh, let's salute the Detroit Lions. What must it have been like last night to live in Detroit and win an NFL playoff game for the first time since 1991. 91. Good for the Lions, I guess. Do you realize how long ago that is? That's 31 years ago. Good for Detroit. I... (laughs) That that is a very I guess I wouldn't say very fun. I mean, as a Dallas fan, I'm you know, if it wasn't for K State women's basketball getting that victory over Texas, this would have been a very rough weekend for I this get guy. It. I totally understand. Uh, you it. know, and I was on such a high still from the women winning that even the men's loss didn't really sting as much. But I mean, I just kind of laughed watching that was the so game so long ago when Detroit last won a playoff game. K State hadn't even won a bowl game yet. Correct. 93. Yeah. That's unreal. I mean, Tim Allen was still doing uh, home improvement as a Lions fan, (laughs) but he seemed like a real cheery Lions fan, so they must have been doing something well at that time. You want to hear a really good one? I have a really good friend who lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex who's been a Lions fan his whole life. And he missed the last snap of the game of the Lions' win last night, their first playoff win since 91, because the affiliate in Dallas cut away to do a weather update on the final snap. What was the weather update? What what have, could have been? <laughs> oh my God! Are you kidding me? I mean, down there, if they get a few snowflakes, I mean, it's locked down the city. That's the joke, and that's Texans make that joke. Sure. Um, and then the Chiefs win, and they, you know, they, it was a pretty boring wild card round. It really, other than Lions, Rams, which, I mean, shout out to Jared Goff. I mean, the work that guy's done with a couple of franchises now has been pretty impressive. Well, he certainly has his confidence back, thanks to Dan Campbell and, and probably yeah. others. And, boy, the way he threw the ball in the game last night from from the get-go was was on task and with purpose. Yeah. He's got a gun, man. Yeah, excuse me. I got him mixed up with Matthew Stafford with that yeah. trade or whatever and Stafford going to LA, but yeah, him now being successful with the Lions. Yeah. That's actually a really neat story. All right, we got to take a break uh, as we reach the top of the hour. We got your local news coming up. Um and we got more tickets to away to K-State men's basketball against Baylor tomorrow night. That's coming up uh, after the Baylor preview. That's coming up in hour number two. Hour of the two of Wildcat Insider is next on KMAN. Do you need assistance keeping your family warm this winter? 
consider applying for the Low Income Energy Assistance Program, or LEAP, to keep your furnace on. The application period is open until the end of March. Visit dcf.ks.gov and click on Apply for Services to submit your application. LEAP will help your family stay warm this winter. Sponsored by the Kansas Department for Children and Families and aired in cooperation with the Kansas Association of Broadcasters in this station.